Imagine, if you will, a world vastly different from your own, yet intimately connected through the threads of human experience and artistic expression. This story takes us back to the 18th century to an isolated Japan. A nation veiled in mystery and governed by the rigid structures of the feudal system, it is here in this world of samurai and shogun that we find Katsuchika Hokusai. A name that might not immediately resonate to everyone, but stick with me here because this guy's story is something else. And this is before he painted the world famous Great Wave of Kanagawa. Before he was imitated by artists like Vincent van Gogh, before his artistic influence spread all over the world, before his artistic genius was ever noticed, he was a street peddler, a hustler. Selling everything from spices to almanacs. Imagine the streets of Edo, now Tokyo, alive with the cacophony of commerce, the air heavy with the scents of street food, the shouts of vendors, a symphony of survival in this feudal world. Here among this vivid scene of life, a young Hokusai navigated the thin line between necessity and ambition. This backdrop of bustling Edo life sets the stage for Hokusai's emergence as an artist. But here's where it gets interesting. This isn't just a tale of an artist struggling to make ends meet. It's a saga of human resilience and creativity and drive in the face of unrelenting challenges. So let's dive into the psyche of this man. Here's Hokusai navigating the waters of survival, his dreams almost extinguished by necessity. Yet in those rare moments that he is able to get away, he's painting, creating his brushstrokes or whispers of a dream that refuses to die to perfect his craft. So why does this matter? Why should we care about a a Japanese artist from centuries ago? Well, here's the crux of it. Hokusai's story isn't just about art. It's about the human condition. It's about the hustle, the hard work, the drive, the relentless pursuit of something more, something profound. In a way, Hokusai's life and work encapsulate a universal quest to search for meaning, for purpose amidst the chaos of existence. He said, quote, From the age of six, I had a mania for drawing the form of things, and by the time I was 50, I had published an infinity of designs. But nothing I did before the age of 70 was worthy of attention. At 73, I began to grasp the structures of birds and beasts and insects and fish and of the way plants grow. If I go on trying, I will surely understand them still better by the time I am 86, so that by 90, I will have penetrated to their essential nature. At 100, I may well have a positively divine understanding of them, while at 130, 40, or more, I will have reached the stage where every dot and every stroke I paint will be alive. May heaven, that grants long life, give me the chance to prove that this is no lie. Katsuchika Hakusai. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Humanity Archive podcast. I am your gracious host, Jermaine Fowler. And today, I have a story from history that you may have never heard before, but even if you have, you've never heard it in the way that I'm going to tell it. This is an episode on Katsuchika Hakusai. Now let's get into it.
if you're a fan of the Humanity Archive and you enjoy the show and the telling of the overlooked aspects of history, I am asking you to go over to patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive right now, pause the show, sign up to donate at least $2 a month or more if you can, and that is going to help with the production of this show to keep the going and allow me to continue to tell these stories. So again, that's patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive, and you can become a monthly supporter of the show. Thank you so much. Now let's get into the story of Katsuchika Hokusai. So let's rewind and set the scene. We're in Japan during the Edo period, a time of relative peace under the Tokugawa shogunate. But this peace comes at a price. It's an era defined by strict social order, isolation from the outside world, and a rigid caste system. In this world where the samurai are at the top and the merchants at the bottom, art isn't just art. It's a reflection of societal values, a form of expression tightly woven into the fabric of Japanese culture. Amidst this backdrop, there's a undercurrent of change. It's a period marked by a flourishing of culture and arts. The yukioi or pictures of the floating world is a genre that captures the, the fleeting beauty and the pleasures of life. And here enters Hokusai, an artist who not only embraced this style, but pushed its boundaries to new heights. Now, most people know Hokusai from his most famous painting, The Great Wave of Kanagawa. It's probably one of the most reproduced artistic images on the planet. It conjures up an image so iconic, so deeply ingrained into our collective consciousness. It's almost like it is more than just a painting. It's a cultural phenomenon. I've seen this everywhere on T-shirts and movies transformed into Lego sculptures, even even on a pair of Air Force Ones. But there's so much depth to it. Because within this scene of this painting, it's a monstrous wave that you see and it's looming over these tiny boats and its frothy peaks almost claw at the sky. But then your eye drifts to the background and there it is, Mount Fuji, stoic and unyielding. It's a, a juxtaposition that's almost jarring. On one hand, you have this raw, terrifying power of nature and on the other, a symbol of enduring stability and permanence. It's a philosophical exploration. It's not just a painting. Another thing that stands out to me about it is this power of perspective, right? Because you have these boulders and they're facing this this wave in front of them. But then again, you have Mount Fuji in the background, but even its power and its stature and its greatness pales in comparison to the wave in front of them. So it's all a matter of facing what's in front of you, a matter of perspective and what you focus on. So we can look at it in many ways, a reminder of resilience or enduring strength within us, however you want to interpret it. But what I see in the life of Hokusai is this relentless drive to be great. Why do we respect people with such drive? It's almost primal, isn't it? When we see someone with drive, it's like watching a, a live wire of human endeavor sparking and surging with energy. It's like their actions send these electrical impulses through the body of society, invigorating not just themselves, but everyone who witnesses it. And so for Hakusai, this isn't just about making ends meet. It's about the human spirit's relentless drive to express, to create, to be more. And so in the case of Hakusai, this drive is not just about survival. It's a balance of patience and passion, patience and passion. And so we fast forward to this 
Very interesting story. In the spring of 1804, Hokusai's drive rewarded him in an unexpected way while at a festival in Tokyo, or Edo, he walked into the midst of a large crowd and unrolled 20 yards of parchment paper. So he gathers buckets of water and ink and mop and brooms, and now he's ready. He grabs the mop and dips it into the pigment, and he starts pushing colors this way and that way, alternating mop and broom, and he sloshed and splashed and spilled and spattered and splattered paint onto this huge roll of paper, and the small crowd grew large as curiosity gave way to amazement. Finally, the painting was finished. Difficult to make out at the ground level, onlookers rushed up to a temple roof to look down from a higher position, and before them lay a crystal clear picture of Japan's beloved Buddhist saint, Daruma. With a showman's flair, Hakusai painted a figure he knew would resonate emotionally with his audience, and for this he becomes a local hero. Not stopping there, he continues with his colossal creations and microscopic masterpieces. There are stories of him creating detailed drawings on grains of rice. Then his name catches the attention of Shogun Takagawa Ayanari, and Hakusai is invited to an art competition. In the modern day, this might be the equivalent to a personal invite by the governor. It was a break. And so he's pitted against this renowned painter named Buncho, and each man is instructed to come up with a painting on the spot. So this master artist, Buncho, is creating this phenomenal painting, so impressive it seems unbeatable. And then comes Hakusai. We're told that he started by sketching beautiful birds and landscape scenes almost as if warming up, then tearing down a screen of large paper he started painting with a broom with hues of light and dark blues then the picture of a river starts to form and then in a crazily inventive move he reached into a cage and grabbed a rooster he dipped its talons into the reddish orange paint then released it onto the paper and the rooster walked around and its footprints created a random pattern of fall maple leaves people were Amazed, this painting looked fondly familiar. Most in the crowd had visited the Tatsuda River in the fall for its natural beauty, and so they would have admired the orange leaves floating downstream. Hakusai was a master, connecting his art to the very memory and soul of the crowd. It recreated the Tatsuda River. And so through his drive and inventiveness, his name was firmly cemented as the people's champion in Japan, Katsuchika Hakusai, a man who utterly absorbed himself with art and drawing, creating these woodblock prints, and he was so engaged with his work, we might call him a little obsessive, said he wouldn't even look up from his work to accept the packets of money regularly delivered for his art commissions, so they were left on the table. And then when a bill collector came to collect, he would just hand him an envelope, whatever was inside, barely looking up from his work. Some bill collectors were shortchanged in return, angry, and others got more than what was owed. Ceaseless, never-ending drawing, creating, painting. In modern psychology, we'd probably view him as a neurotic and a perfectionist, yet there is something to be said about the tremendous value of focused work. He produced so many works of art that it almost defies calculation. He completed no less than 40,000 prints and paintings and drawings and sketches like a machine producing daily without fail. He drew nature in the form of animals and birds and insects and fish and mountains and grasses and landscapes. 
lightning and thunder and wind and fire never escaped this pen. His sketchbooks show people of all professions and activities, weavers and wrestlers and archers and soldiers, potters and merchants. He illustrated mythical heroes and ghastly ghosts. With great care, he depicted men and women and children and crowds, prostitutes and beggars, samurai and statesmen. No subject escaped his drawing table. And let's not forget his foray into the more risque aspects of art. For instance, Hakusai's dive into the world of Shunga, the erotic art is both fascinating and eyebrow-raising. I mean, when you come across these depictions of a woman and an octopus and an intimate embrace, you can't help but think, man, what exactly was going on in that workshop of yours, Hakusai? It's the side of his art that definitely makes you wonder what his dinner table conversations might have been like in his household, but Hakusai's charm came from his ability to capture the human condition and all his beauty and of the natural world that we all live in and exploring the familiar and farther reaches of his imagination. And there's a quote from Tales of the Floating World by Asaya Raoi that really sums up this. He says, quote, living only for the moment, savoring the moon, the snow, the cherry blossoms and the maple leaves, singing songs, drinking wine and diverting oneself and simply floating. Unconcerned by the prospect of imminent poverty, buoyant and carefree like a gourd, carried along with the current of the river, unquote. Hokusai lived out his moment through artistic expression. He lived through trauma and civil war and rapid social change, restricting laws and the full range of human trials and tribulations. Yet he kept painting in a terrible fire. His house burned down and he lost much of his life's work. And this didn't stop him from his pursuit, his drive. Some of his best works were completed at 87 years old. Hakusai lived to the old age of 90. And one of his few surviving quotes tells us much of his character, his drive, and humble quest for perfection. He said, quote, If only heaven will give me just another 10 years, just another five more years, then I could become a real painter. Unquote. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is our episode for today on Katsuchika Hakusai. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that peek into the life of a man who is striving, striving, and driving toward perfection. I think deep down Hakusai must have known that he would never attain perfection, but he wanted to do his best and be the best that he could at his craft. And so... I hope you join me next time on the Humanity Archive podcast. But in the meantime, please support the show. Go over to patreon.com backslash the Humanity Archive. Make a donation of whatever you can to support the creation of these shows. Thank you again. I love you all and I will see you next time.